Welcome to Brackets, Bubbles, and Bid Steelers Season 4, Episode 19. I am Sam Fetterman. That is Pat Dalhan filling in for the ill Jonathan Lipskin. Pat, how are you doing on this Thanksgiving? I'm, I'm wonderful. You know, uh, we had a wild night of college hoops yesterday. Good day. Uh, about to start a good day today. Uh, I'm not feeling all that great myself, but, you know, I'm tough, you know. It is what it is. I once interviewed John Fanta when I had the flu when I had my own college basketball show. Flu game. Flu game. It was it was a total flu game. Speaking of Fanta, I saw him a few times this past week. He was in Newark. He was in New York. Um, I spoke with him. He will be coming on the podcast at some point in December. Um, keep an eye out for oh. that. John, Jonathan and I are excited to bring that to you because there's not many people in this college basketball media space that love basketball as much as john fanta does yeah you tweeted that the other day it's like him and rothstein like i think those two are the clear like they love basketball more than anyone else loves basketball rothstein getting management called on him because of how excited he was for the mountain west becoming a four-bid league i mean that's that's john rothstein for you he's yeah he, he loves college basketball so much that it becomes robotic. Now, we have a lot of basketball to talk about, and I don't know how much time, but hopefully a lot of time to go over it. So why don't we start in Maui with the Maui – sorry, in Honolulu. Yeah. The Maui Invitational. Uh, this year, obviously not being played on the island of Maui at the Lahaina Civic Center because of the wildfires. Yeah. And – the first game of the tournament, Syracuse hung around with Tennessee, but Tennessee ended up pulling away late. And I, I want to know, because I'll get into this quickly, but I want to know what you've seen from Syracuse over the, these first two games against Tennessee and then Gonzaga. I mean, it doesn't feel like they have much of a team offense, you know? I just don't think Red Autry, we've talked about it in the past, new coaches, it can be kind of hard, uh, at least in my opinion, to, to formulate that offense and know what works for you. Um, but right now, it just seems like they rely so much on Judah Mintz just to run that offense that it's like it, it creates a super stagnant offense. And when he's in foul trouble like he was, was he was in foul trouble against Tennessee, wasn't he, if I remember correctly? Yes, he was. Yeah. He was in foul trouble against against Tennessee. So when you just rely on him and J.J. Starling to do everything on offense for you, it can be pretty – tough but jj starling uh, yeah hasn't even looked that great yeah so, um, i'm gonna get into this now because something that i've noticed first of all both guards are non-shooters and that's obviously yeah, that's an issue judah is not really a shooter jj who coming out of high school he was supposed to be a scorer and not much else he is the opposite he is not a scorer but he's everything else um i look at this offense and the way that it's run it is not it is basically saying Judah and JJ get to the basket and we'll figure it out from there. Yeah. And it's great that Judah Mintz can get to the basket at will. He's awesome. Um, he's one of the best players in the country. He's an all ACC first team caliber player. He's a top five NBA draft pick next year, but yeah. that's not a coherent offense. He's no. not good because the whole point of this team you're long, you're athletic, you should have – and there's shooters as well. Chris Bell and yep. Justin Taylor are guys that can shoot. 
So why are they? Why is Syracuse not running anything for those guys? Syracuse offensively, you're looking at Bell and Taylor kind of just standing there. Yeah. And Judamins or JJ Starling driving to the basket, sometimes turning it over, sometimes miraculous and one, while Naheem McLeod goes and clears the paint, clears the way without putting his body on anybody. Well, against Tennessee, Naheem McLeod didn't take a shot. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Both Brown and McLeod have been efficient when they've gotten the basketball, but Syracuse isn't running anything to get the ball into the post. There's no, there's been no entry passes. There's been no seals, no post-ups, no duck-ins, no nothing. It's basically just pick and roll, but the roll man is not even in the picture. It's, right. really, it's, just, it's really just pick and go. For, for yeah. The Syracuse offense is basically just driving the basket and finishes and when the ball does get to Bell or Taylor, it's usually later in the shot clock because um, the Judah or JJ couldn't get anything going, and they just take a contested three. There's no there's no screening actions being run for them after the first five seconds on the shot clock. Kind of just gets them in their initial positioning. It's it's really disappointing to watch JJ to watch um, Chris Bell and Justin Taylor just take stationary threes with a guy in their face while Malik Brown or Naheem McLeod in the low post doesn't box out and Judah and JJ have nothing to do because I mean, look, if you want to make the most out of this offense, you have to figure out how to slow it down and run some sets for everybody. Get some post sets, get some duck ins. I, I, I noticed a set yesterday. Well, not even a set. It was just they were in a four-out alignment with Bell and Taylor in the corners. Judah and JJ were were at the top were high. Um, yeah. And McLeod was in the low post. And Gonzaga was – I mean, that that's not a difficult thing to guard. You kind of just guard that. In, no. Kind of just guard that in the same type of alignment. When the So when the ball comes to uh, Taylor in the corner with like right. 12 – with like what, ten on the shot clock? Let me see. Yeah, ten on the shot clock. You can kind of guard this since Bell isn't moving. You can the help side, the weak side defender on the low post. Yeah, just at the block because he doesn't have to be. In the he doesn't corner. have to move. And he's not responsible for. There's anything. a there's a low post defender in the middle of the paint. Now my thought would be, oh, McLeod should put a body on Ek and right. go to work. Instead, he retreats <laughs> behind Ek. <laughs> and as as Mince cuts to the basket, there's now Mince's defender, Taylor's defender, and Ike, who's in the middle yeah, of the paint. There's, th- there's three guys and there's three guys that in that passing lane. Yeah. That's just it's it's sloppy offense. It's bad coaching. Rebounding is a, it it's really bad coaching has been something I've noticed from Syracuse this year. They when they find stuff that works, they don't go back to it unless it's <laughs> Judah. Unless it's just Judah driving to the basket, it's the only thing that's really consistent. I mean, look, look, look. JJ Starling, what are his? What are JJ Starling's numbers this year? I gotta find this. JJ um, Starling is rocking a ninety-one point one offensive rating. He is rocking a one for fifteen from three. 
and 47% inside the arc. He is he is um he has a 23.5 free throw rate and is shooting under 70% from the line. Syracuse Not- is a putrid foul shooting team, by the way. Yeah, JJ Starling can't shoot from the line. Um, he can't shoot, and it doesn't seem he could shoot in general. I mean, you he mentioned can't. he's, he's yeah. one for 15 from three, he's shooting 38% from the field. I mean, look, Chris Bell um, and Justin Taylor should both be 40% three point shooters um, at the end of the day. That'll, that'll, I, I mean, the problem is, I mean, Chris Bell can't attack the basket. He can't get the line. No. Uh, Justin Taylor doesn't attack the basket. <laughs> I think we just need more Peter Carey minutes. Sam. No, That's we definitely do not need more Peter Carey minutes. <laughs> anything, we need less Peter Carey minutes. <laughs> Everyone that I know that likes Syracuse, I'll t- like when Peter Carey got the game the other day, I go, oh, I love Peter Carey minutes. And every single one of them, no, stop. This isn't funny. Like, including you, I said NMH legend Peter Carey. Yeah, he should have stayed there. Should have done another should have done another couple post-grad years. Yeah. It's yeah. He was never it was never apparent why he was going to Syracuse. He was hurt all of last year. Um he was hurt in the preseason this year. I saw him at a at the Clemson football game with a boot on his on his foot. I asked yep. him what was up. He said, I'll be back before the season. And I was like, oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't actually say that, but yeah. Um yeah, uh Copeland should not be shooting. Like Co- honestly, Copeland's been unplayable in Maui. Yeah, I mean, I don't again, Syracuse offense obviously a problem right now, but at the same time, it's kind of hard for me to really put a lot of stock into this game because Tennessee, it's a Rick Barnes, Tennessee team. So like yeah, I'm not even going on the Tennessee. I'm going over both games right now. I mean, Copeland's been un- yeah. unplayable. Yeah. Benny just straight up didn't play against Gonzaga. Yeah. And Autry offered no comment. Cuff yeah. is I mean Cuff is Cuff. I mean, he, he's a bench guy. Kyle Cuff, Avon, Avon Old Farms legend, Kyle Cuff. But I mean, um, I think he's, I think he's fine. Um, he's not he, the problem. What he's not the solution what either. Made him so good, and why he was so highly touted coming out of high school was his athleticism. And he got a knee operation last year. It was like a microscopic operation, and he's lost it. Like it used to be that he could go up and hang in the air on drives and rise up over anyone in the mid range because no one could jump as high as he could. And no one was as fast as he was. And he just doesn't he like he doesn't have that anymore because of that knee operation. I and, thought in the in the first few games I liked him. I liked what he brought defensively. Yeah. Um, he was aggressive. I th- I think he's a good defender. I don't think he brings much offensively. Yeah. I mean, he has a decent shooting stroke. I, I he does. But I don't I'm not sure I want to see more of that. When whenever Westry comes back, that's gonna be important. But honestly, there's nothing that there's it's not about the personnel that's the problem yeah it's, it's not it's it's right now that the coaching isn't using the personnel right. moving on from Syracuse because I know that the people listening don't want to hear me ramble about SU um <laughs> that Tennessee against Purdue game last night was a total foul fest it was awful it was it, it went on for like three hours. Yeah, it was, it was awful. 
Yeah, Michael Greenstein, Randy McCall, and Vladimir Voyard Tadal. Um, that's not um, that's not the type of um, officiating crew that you would typically see at one of these games. So, I mean, yeah, they might be a little out of their depth, but 51 total fouls, 78 foul shots. And the thing is, Purdue won that game despite shooting 60% yeah, from the line, 38 they, they were from the field, yeah. 38% from two, and um, 27% from three. The reason why they won this game is because they simply had more free throws. Yeah. It's just like they had more opportunities to put more points up at the line. Like, it, like it, I've never seen a game like that where it was just fouls every single possession. I've seen long games. I've seen UConn versus VCU in 2021. You oh, know, yeah. like I've I've seen I've seen bad basketball games, but that was like a different type of bad because a you have to understand it's a Big Ten Purdue team and and, and Tennessee which is going to play tough physical defense. So going into the game, the referees should expect like okay, it's going to be a physical one. Let's swallow our whistle, uh, swallow our whistle a little bit, and let them play. And uh, like in the first half, at least. It didn't feel as bad, but in the second half, which is when refs typically make their adjustments, it's it was it, the second half took two hours. It felt like it was awful. It was awful, and for a game like that, it's number two versus number seven. Nobody wants to watch that. Yeah. Um. Here's my thing. Do you come out of that game thinking any differently about either team? No. I agree. I don't like. I don't think differently about Tennessee. I don't think differently about Purdue. Um, I can't. I, I, I can't. I obviously cannot still rank Tennessee over Purdue. No. But I do believe that those are probably two of the top three teams in the country that we watched play. Yeah. And the other one is in Maui too. No, they're not. They are in. They just won the Empire Classic at UConn. Oh, you don't you don't have Marquette there? Marquette is in the conversation at this point, but UConn right now is the best team in the country. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I just don't know how teams haven't adjusted to Alex Caravan's role. Well, we'll get into the, we'll get into UConn in a little bit, but I I mean, okay, Lance Jones was great, but as a whole, this I don't come away from this Purdue Tennessee game thinking any differently, like. Adu and Awaka, a combined 26 minutes, they both fouled out. Is this because of them being foul, being guys that will foul a lot? And yeah, I mean, maybe, but a lot of that was the refereeing was so ticky tack. And it's hard to, it's hard to defend against a guy like Edie who's that big. So I don't, I'm not concerned about Tennessee because they lost this game. I'm not, I'm not that impressed by Purdue winning this game. I think tonight will tell – sorry, this afternoon will tell a much um, bigger story. By the way, it is right now Northern Iowa 15, North Carolina 14 at, oh. the, under, at the under 12. Um, so we, I got that game on one screen. I got nothing on the other screen because there's nothing else on right now aside from the Iona game, which is on Flow Hoops. And yeah, I was going to say, I saw Iona's plan. Good first yeah, time. Have, uh, they, they were awesome. Iona's up 64 to 36 on Buffalo right now. Um, I know you know um, you've watched J.P. Estrella a lot more than I have. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he had to play eight minutes last night. That's, that's not ideal for Tennessee. They went small late, 
But like Estrella, he's not ready. No, he well, even last year, I wasn't impressed by him. I saw him get absolutely dominated by by Ndongo from uh, who's at Georgia Tech and uh, Aaron wants Oswin, who's only a junior. I saw him just get taken to the woodshed really by those guys. So then when I was thinking to myself, I was like, oh man, like I saw when I saw him check into the game, like. There was one possession where I thought he was like serviceable against Zach Eady. I remember he had the kind of like a strip type of thing or whatever. It was a it was a good shot contest. I was like, okay, like maybe maybe he can provide some good minutes for them off the bench. No, he's not there physically. He's not there. He's not fast enough. Uh, he I, like even at Brewster, I wasn't all that impressed by. I him. never I, I never I never liked him on tape. Um, my favorite Tennessee freshman this year was Cam Carr, and he didn't get any minutes in this game. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I, I get why they were trying to put him in. It's just that he's like a they big, had to. They had to. I mean, yeah, obviously fouls. They had to. But like, he's like a long, lengthy center, like trying to go up against like a, a physical f- force that college basketball ha- doesn't see that often in Zach Eady. So like. I kind of I, I get it, but it, he's not ready. He's not. Yeah, I mean Zach Eady is still super difficult to defend. Um, last three games against them, the high major competition: twenty-eight and eleven against Xavier, twenty-five and fourteen against Gonzaga, twenty-three and ten against Tennessee. I mean, he is he's still the best player in college basketball. This shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Yeah, by pretty decent margin too. Like, it's just that he's so – what impresses me about him is that people talk about this all the time, is that he doesn't really find himself in foul trouble that often. I, I do think he gets a Except favorable – last night. I do think he gets a pretty favorable whistle in the Big yeah. Ten. But regardless of that, he's still um, – he can just throw his hands up. like Yeah. And he's he's not, like, incredibly mobile, but he's mobile enough. Yeah. If you can – like – Sure, you can abuse uh, Purdue in the pick and roll, but you have to have shot creating guards to do that. And the Big Ten doesn't really have many shot no, that's creating not guards. That, no, that's um, never the that's other, never been the Big Ten's forte. On the other side of the bracket, Marquette dog walked Kansas yesterday. <laughs> that was awesome. And I'm I'm telling you, um, I was low on Marquette. I was low on Kansas. I am, am I, I'm impressed with Marquette, and I am concerned with Kansas. I well, am absolutely concerned by the fact that Kansas is getting basically nothing from a bench that we knew was super thin and the two guard spot that we knew was going to have problems. And it's just accentuating every issue that we thought they would have. Nick Timberlake has Nick, I was really just struggled. He was dreadful. He's really struggled. El Marco Jackson has really struggled. Yeah. I mean, Jamari McDowell is not ready offensively, but he's been there defensively for them. Yeah. Uh, Parker Brown is not a Kansas caliber player. And then obviously no. there's, and then. Um, well, we know why Parker Brown is there. Like, yeah. And then obviously there's Johnny Furphy, who, I mean, he has his. <laughs> Please don't say his name a ton because my mouse, I don't have a mouse pad. I won't. I won't. Um, JF is what we'll say. Um, is that a loophole? No, um, it it's not a loophole going forward. But okay. Uh, um, overall, for Kansas, 
I didn't realize that Kevin McCuller became Kobe over the summer. Yeah, what like, the hell? That's random. Nine for <laughs> fourteen from like back to back triple doubles, and then twenty four points against Marquette. I mean, where, Kevin, where did this come from? No, not a clue. But to, but Kansas' largest lead in this game was two nothing. <laughs> I mean. This kid, I remember I said it on the first time I was on the show about Kansas. I didn't think they had enough shooters to really do anything. And last night, there was no shooting. Like, like you, like as much as we love, I'm sorry, Johnny Furphy, you can't expect him to be one of like one of your premier shooters. I mean, like, look, overall, Marquette. Is it a, like Tyler Kolek is one of the best players in the country, but he might not be the best right. player on his own team right now. Look, you I thinking? mean, I'm thinking Oso. Yep. <laughs> yep. And, and, he and, is. I also, and I also think that Cam Jones is right up there as well. Um, yeah. Right now. Also, Oso Igadaro is a freak. Yeah. Um, he is. It's just so last year he was listed 6'9, 215. Now he I don't think he grew two inches, but he's listed no. at 235 this year. It's possible that they got his height wrong last year. He's well, they would have had it wrong for three years then. He's bigger, yeah. he's stronger, he's more he's more dynamic on the perimeter as well. Yeah. He is now drawing fouls three times more often getting to the line. His efficiency has stayed the same. His rebounding has been better. He is overall just – he's incredible. He looks like a whole new player. Yeah, and, like, what impressed me with him is that he went, like, toe-to-toe, quote-unquote, with Hunter Dickinson. It was supposed to be, like, a game of two bucks just locking horns, and it wasn't. He dominated him. And Hunter Dickinson – Obviously, still struggles on defense. That's not new. He's just not a very good defender. But, like, what impresses me about Oso Iguodaro is purely just how well he moves. Yeah. Like, um, he's moving. Like, he is doing what Omax was doing last year. Yeah. For for a team that loses Omax Prosper. And and I thought, by the way, that that would be something really tough to replace because athletically, he did things that no one else did. Now, Oso's not shooting. Right. Um, that's that's the one thing that like the next part of point to like I would love to see Oso shoot. I don't think he's going to. Yeah. Um, but regardless of that, you now have another big strong inside out piece. Yeah. Like it seems like Shock has got got a pretty good recipe going over there right now yeah. in terms of and, what works. And, and I mean they do that with Cam shooting um four for fourteen. Um, I think Cam Jones is one of the best pure scorers maybe in, in college basketball. 100%. Um, Sean Jones is – Sean Jones looks much more spry, I would say, this year. Um, he's getting to the basket. Um, he's better defensively. He's better – his playmaking has been better. Just overall, I think Sean Jones has taken a leap. Um, Chase Ross took a huge leap. Chase Ross. I mean, but that was someone that was kind of expected, like if Marquette wanted to get back to where they were last year. 
like as far as like talent went, Chase Ross would need to take that leap, and he has. Yeah, it just seems like everything has fallen into place for this Marquette team to do really special things. Granted, it's early. Yeah, and it's very it's very early. And I remember, I remember last year after Maui, I said Arizona was the number one team in the country. Arizona was this. Arizona was that. And I loved everything about Arizona. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to come out after Maui and make the claims that I made last year because yeah. I had to walk those back um, at some point. But Marquette has right has as of right now been the most impressive team in Maui. Now I don't think Tennessee or Purdue really got the chance to show that. I think Purdue no. was really impressive against Gonzaga. I think today the Purdue Marquette game is going to tell me a lot about both of those teams at the current moment. Yep. I mean, I also think Marquette going to Champaign and beating Illinois on the road, that, that was big. That was. Um, Kolek, Kolek was a little banged up. And they don't need Tyler Kolek to be um, the best player on the floor to win games. And that's the key. Yeah. It's a, it's kind of a next man up mentality for Marquette right now. I mean, and Cole Cam Jones can, Cam Jones can score. Oh, so Iguodaro, we just talked about him. Tyler Kolek can play well. I mean, even Chase Ross, if you need him to off the bench. And, and look, Ben Gold comes in, drains two threes. Right. Like I'm, I'm really looking forward to that game today. Yeah, like this Marquette that game is gonna this Maui field has been and, and it's all people have been talking about, but it's still like it's still ridiculous. All right, here's my here's the big here's something that's a concern of mine so far. Yeah. How many games this year has Dewan Harris scored more than seven points? One. That is correct. One yeah, game. It was the first it was the first it was, it was the uh, Kentucky game, wasn't it? It was the Champions Classic, that's correct. Yeah. He scored 23. Which I believe is a career high. Yeah, it is. Cause I remember a stat like Kansas was like they had a ridiculous win loss record when he scored six or more points. Yeah. In his career. And Kansas and he's only he's his his point outputs zero, two, twenty-three, seven, four. I I'm fine with what he did against North Carolina Central and Manhattan, like whatever. I mean, he doesn't have to score in those games. Right. And same with Chaminade. But there's no third score. Like, I know and during the season it was there's no second scoring option for Kansas. McCullough's the second scoring option. He yeah. might even be first. Yeah, he might even but be. He might be one. There's, but... there's no there, – if Dewan is going two for eight in 36 minutes. That can't happen. That, that, that's not going to be good for Kansas. They're not going to win – they're not going to win many Big 12 games. Okay, they're, they're going to win a lot of Big Twelve games. They're not going to win many. They're not going to win many tough Big Twelve road games against your Houston's, your Baylor's, your Texas types. If you're not getting good production out of Dewan Harris offensively, yeah. And the Big Twelve is, I, to me, it always felt like a pretty guard-heavy league when you look at the best teams that have that have won recently from it. It's because you have guards and three three guys. That can you know that can put up points and can and can give you something, and outside of like you know outside of Hunter Dickinson and Kevin McCullough, there isn't anyone else. And Dewan Harris kind of fooled everyone at the Champions Classic because it was like, oh, this is the year he takes a scoring leap. I think like, there's still a chance for that. I'm not going to yeah. on him, but yeah, again, it is early. But I mean, right now he is not the best point guard in the state of Kansas. No. 
He's not. And it's it's it sucks because he is like such a good point guard. Oh, I think he's great. I think he's awesome. Yeah. I think he's, he's just such a good distributor. Guard, like, one of the best point guards in the country. Honestly, that statement was more of a Tyler Perry thing than anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I get it. But like um, to Gonzaga, I I, I do want to talk a little bit about Gonzaga um because um they are also a team that's been playing in Maui and right now Gonzaga is shooting as a team 28.2% from 3 on the season. That is just so un Gonzaga like <laughs> like that that can for for a team like Gonzaga, which their whole thing is kind of we're going to kill you from the outside and then move in. That's what they've always done at least. I feel like I mean most of that comes from 6 of 32 against Purdue. Right. And you can't, yeah, it's 6 But of the other key thing about this is Nemhard is I mean you don't think of Nemhard as a shooter. No. Um he took some EK, EK, EK is a non-shooter. Yeah. Hickman is not a is not a great shooter either. You're real, and Watson's not a shooter. No. Dusty so Stromer. Dusty Stromer can shoot pretty yeah, well. But like, look, at the end of the day, I think Nemhard's gonna be fine shooting. I think Hickman's gonna be fine shooting. They're both shoot, yeah. they're shooting 14 and 24% right now. They'll be better than that. Yeah. And Braden Huff can shoot. Braden Huff is great. Yeah, yeah, Braden Huff can shoot. He can. What'd you say? Braden Huff can shoot. He's an yeah, awesome. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. They'll be fine, but I do think there's noticeably less shooting than yeah. most Gonzaga teams. Like last year when you have a when you have a Strother out there who's just a 41% shooter and and Ben Gregg can shoot. He'll he'll be fine. Yeah. And like last year with Malachi Smith and Bolton, those guys are all shooters. And this year, I mean, Nemhard's not Malachi as a shooter. He's a better player. He's not he's not as good of a shooter. No. Hickman is obviously not a great shooter. He's not as good as Bolton was as a shooter. And then two years ago, you obviously had Chet and you had Andrew Nemhard, who's a better shooter than his brother. Yeah. And Bolton was was great. Um and then three years ago, you had um, Corey Kispert, yeah, Kispert, who was one of the best shooters in the country, Ayayi as well. Oh, and yeah, Joel Ayayi. And that team, that team shot thirty-seven percent from three. They didn't take a whole lot of threes, but they were they they hit them. This year, they'll probably be around 36 percent. It's going to yeah. be a little lower than usual, but I'm not concerned about it for Gonzaga because it's mostly just been one game and really one half. Yeah. They were fine against Yale. They were fine against uh, Syracuse. It wasn't good. It was fine. Yeah. But uh, Huff's good. For Gonzaga today, um, I also want to talk about UCLA. Um, for UCLA, because Adam well, Bona. Well, well I was just going to say, with like the shooting thing, it, 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 they're, they're obviously. By the way, do you hear that? Out. What was that? Like the background. Uh, I did. How loud? Not very. Okay, good. Um, Bona's been awesome. Um, he looks just freakishly athletic, because as he always has. Yeah. And they haven't needed almost uh, they. 
they they were they, they really had that chance to beat Marquette, and I was really hoping they would because I I'm high on this UCLA team. Right. I think that it would have been a real statement. Um, they're good. It would it would have yeah they are good. They're gonna. They, they, I mean, Dylan Andrews is not doing what I thought he would, but Sebastian Mack is doing what I thought Dylan Andrews would. I mean, yeah, Sebastian Max, six, what do you have, 16, 6, and 3 with five steals against, uh, Grant, against Chaminade, against Chaminade. He had, he had 25, 6, and 2 against Marquette. He was the game MVP. Yeah. Like, for some, for for a guard to go into a game against Marquette, which just has so many guards on defense, they come at you in waves, and they just wear you down. For him to have played the way he did, and to perform the way he did was remarkable. Yeah, very impressed with um, with Sebastian Mack. And look, Dylan Andrews hasn't had to do what I thought he would have had to do. I do think eventually, when they get when you work Mara and Veed and Burke and and Fible in yeah. a little bit more, I, I want to see more of Veed. Um, I want to see more of Mara, but. There's, I mean, they're probably just not totally ready yet, and that's fine. Yeah, because uh, you can put together a really good lineup without them right now. I mean, Mac Stefanovic and Bona is a good three to build off of, and I mean, they're they're gonna they're, they want Burke in, in there a lot. They they want McClendon, and and they like what they and and obviously Andrews is getting plenty of run. And they're, they're deep. They're deep with guys that. You're not fully sure, but you think they're going to be pretty good. Yeah. And Dylan Andrews barely, like, I remember you said, like, he's not doing what you expected he did for him to do. He only shot the ball five times against Marquette. Yeah, I thought he I thought he would do what, what Mac is doing. Obviously, yeah. Mac is not the playmaker that Andrews is, but Mac's ability to get to the line has been awesome. Um, I've been impressed there. Yeah, but... as a whole, have thought UCLA looked rough in their first three games against um, SFU, Lafayette, and LIU. But Marquette and Chaminade, they looked great, and I think yeah, I think they could sneak up on some people, and they could beat Gonzaga today if they get some good shooting. Hundred percent, they could sneak up on some people in this season, though. Like it's a they have look December 9th, they're at Wells Fargo Center against Villanova. Yeah. That's going to be a game that I'm going to have my eyes on. I'm really interested to see how that goes because both of those teams have some questions that yeah. I that I want to see answered. And Villanova is going to have some questions answered um, over the next couple of days in Atlantis. That we got the, yeah. that game later today. Villanova and Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, moving forward, I think we covered every team in Maui. Yep. You want to move over to UCONN? Um, yeah, we do have to talk about UConn. Um, you were not there, but I was. Both you days. were. And this I was what best believe best believe it was on the Dallahan house, though. I'm telling you this right now. There is it's the same exact mold from last year's team. Same exact mold. They Dan Hurley found a formula and he's going right back to it with yep. Guys like Newton, Newton, Caravan, Klingon, those are the 
the main returning pieces. Yeah. Obviously, Samson Johnson's development. And this is something Rothstein asked uh, Dan about after the game. He was like, do you see Samson kind of um, picking up where Donovan left off last year? And that's a really interesting point that I kind of was thinking about, but didn't really didn't wasn't at the forefront of my mind. And then Dan's like, yeah, we can maybe even do more stuff with Samson than we could with Donovan last year. 100%. Well, I think Donovan's issue last year was that he just got in foul trouble so much because he's still like adjusting to playing at that level. But he's and also he had he had the leash to do that. That that right. he had the leash to do that. He doesn't right. have the leash to do that this year. Now, no. if he played he played what 13 minutes against um against Texas? How many minutes did he play against Texas? He played not a lot. He, he was played 13 he played 13 minutes against Texas and UConn won by double digits. Just I, I get Shedrick and Desu weren't available, right? But still, that's something to that's something to think about. The fact that UConn still doesn't need Donovan Klingon to be a superstar to win games because UConn, UConn simply put, is, simply put, UConn's pretty dumb. The fact that they can they can like it's pretty stupid that they can win games like this with Donovan it, Klingon playing and just it's not it's just, just totally games. stupid. Never a doubt, like. There was there was never any doubt. UConn was up 16 within the first 10 minutes, and most of that run was without Klingon in the game. Samson yeah. Johnson is a total freak of nature. I think that with him coming off the bench, it's like he's ahead of where Donovan was last year in terms of what he brings and far as the impact goes, especially on offense. Offensively, yes. Defensively, yeah, not, not defense. Don, Donovan altered shots better than almost everybody in the country last year. Yeah, and Samson's a good defender, too. He, he's yeah. – He's he's got a seven point three block rate already, and Diara has looks just much more. Yeah, Diara's kind of making me eat my words. I'm notoriously low on Hassan Diara. Really, I I, I loved him last year. Ah, last year there he was he was stinky bad. Uh, I think he just last year he just didn't know his role and he didn't. I loved him, him last year. At the, I thought he at was the beginning. Great. I'm, at the beginning of the year, I should say he left yeah. a bad taste in my mouth at the beginning of the year last year, and I never really forgave him for it. But this year, I mean, he makes just so many winning plays that I can't 28 say minutes against it. Texas, by the way. That is the most he's played since when Hawkins and Andre were out at the beginning of last season. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why that's that's where my bad, that's where my my taste on him came was that they were trying to play without Andre Jackson and Jordan Hawkins. So he felt like he had to do a lot more. Um, where's Tristan Newton rank among guards, among point guards? In in, in the, the country? country? Yeah. Well, in the Big East, I mean, there's Kolek. Is he better than Tristan? <sighs> I got to say, yeah. I mean. But I don't know. I, I mean, who, who, else, who else is, like, there in the Big East? Um, I mean, I think he's, better than, he's, he's better than Kadari. Yeah. Um, Syracuse guy, Kadari Richmond. Judah. Um, yeah. Oh, oh no, yeah, he was. He Kadari Richmond was a Syracuse. Yeah, yeah, that's guy. right. He was. Um Judah's Judah's probably a little better than Tristan. Yep. But um Tristan's a lot more under control. Yeah. Um and then you look at say I mean DeWan Um well Do we want to say DeWan Harris or no? Tyler, Tyler Perry. Um yeah. Are you considering Terrence Shannon a point guard for this exercise? I would. He runs right. that Illinois offense. I would. Then him. Um, 
Who else is there? I mean, uh, there's Braden. Would you put Braden Smith no. in that conversation? No, Tristan, no. Tristan's better. Tristan's yeah. better. Um, Isaiah Stevens. Yeah. Um, but overall, like it's it's not a long list of names. No, better. It's though. a very short list. Tristan, um, he's one of the best point guards in the country, and he was last year. And people just didn't think he was good. It it blew my mind. <laughs> it was did not funny. think Tristan Newton was good at basketball. Well, people coming into the year last year were like, uh, I don't know how much of a point guard he is, because because at, at ECU he would just score a lot. But like, I mean, he has earned the nickname of like Mister Triple Double. Like he impacts yes. the game. Okay, Kevin McCullough has that one now. Yeah, fair. In the Big East, he's Mister Triple Double. We'll we'll I'll, we'll say that. Yeah, um, I mean, I never, I I thought Tristan never got the credit he deserved. No. Caravan also never got the credit he deserved. No, I, I still don't know how people the are most about him. under control player in the country. Yeah. I remember we were, we were DMing about it. And I remember this was like two days ago. We were like, oh, it's going to stink that we can't watch him next year because there aren't many NBA teams that don't need a six foot nine under control wing that can shoot the basketball. Like <laughs> they shoot 40% from three. Just. Has range out the building. His range, that's what's impressed me. Last year, he took a couple that were like, wow, that was deep. He pulled up from damn near the logo at Madison Square Garden against Texas. And it barely, barely even touched the net. Listen to this. 41% from three. 83% inside the arc. 87% from the line. what's What's it? What are his, like... What's his he's easily gonna hit 50 40 90 at this rate? Like he's I wouldn't I, I wouldn't count I, I wouldn't say for sure because it's again it's early and the 87% from the line, but like he yeah. is ridiculous. But, I mean and you think for a guy that leads the number five five ranked team in the nation in scoring that he'd get a lot more buzz. He's not. No, he, he doesn't he doesn't get a ton of buzz. I mean Klingon gets pretty much all the buzz for this team. Um, last year, um, Sonogo got the buzz. Klingon got buzz. Yeah. Caravan was like Jordan the eighth, Hawkins got buzz Caravan was like the eighth most talked about player on the roster last year. And this year, I mean, let's see. Newton's more talked about. Klingon's more talked about. Spencer's more talked about. Castle. Castle's more talked about. That's five guys. That's four guys. And he... Arguably the bet the best for this UConn team out of all. He's of them. been. I mean, Alex Caravan does so many things that this that are just so important for this UConn team. Just so reliable, and he would turn into the go-to guy down the stretch. Those those big buckets. I think. I think people are going to start talking about him a heck of a lot more. Well, I remember he was great in the tournament last year. I remember he would in every game. Before halftime, he'd hit the he'd hit a three at the buzzer. Every, it felt like every game. And it yeah, look, like last like, year, last year his season high was nineteen points, and that came against LIU. So um, that's this this year. This year, 22, 15, 14, 13, 20. and he's doing this on that ridiculous efficiency with and against better teams. Well, I mean, they played nobody for the first three games. True, of the season. but well, they well first. How how many games did they played? They played five. 
so for the first four games, is that what you said? Okay, so yeah. Um, <laughs> so because India, well, Indiana, according to Jay Williams, has just as not, if not more of a talent than you, uh, talent filled roster than UConn. So yeah, that was that was one of the that was certainly one of the quotes that I saw this week. That was one of the takes of all time. Um, Max Aismith really saved. <laughs> Texas ass on Sunday. Could you imagine what you? UConn would have done to Louisville? I don't want to think about that. <laughs> I mean, it would, well, Look, Adrian UConn Payne, goes to U- UConn. Uh, we'll be there. We'll be in the building on Friday. Yeah. Then they play New Hampshire. Then December first, a week from Friday, UConn at Allen Fieldhouse against Kansas. I cannot like there might not be a basketball game that I'm more excited for all year than that. That that is not a I have I couldn't remember a UConn game outside of like the national championship in the final four that I've been more excited uh, the mo- regular season game I've been more excited for than this. I'm just thinking when was the I mean I would say Providence returned to the Big East game in 2022, like December 2021, the first game with fans. Um, I would say that one is up there for one of my most, for games that I've been most excited for. Um, Um, Probably. Oh, hand up, by the way. I was wrong about solo ball. Yeah, he's good. He's good. He's he's real good. It's just because last year I didn't think he was in a role where he could thrive. For Brewster, where he was just like a scorer, he's been phenomenal. Yeah, um, like last year, the non-conference schedule kind of just felt like UConn beating, beating down. By the way, Northern Iowa up by five, two minutes left in the half. Harrison Ingram to the basket, no. Um, Bowen Bourne's got it for I for Northern Iowa. Takes <laughs> it across the half court line, guarded by Cadeau behind his back. And Elliot Elliot Cadeau is. I love special. him. I love him. Oh, spins around to the basket. No foul. All right, so Northern Iowa is going to go to the line with a chance to get a seven-point lead on North Carolina. I mean, this year UConn's um, non-conference schedule has games that you look forward to: Kansas, yeah, Gonzaga, North Carolina, Gonzaga. Those three, and I think UConn has a good chance to win all three of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the one game. It, it stinks, but the one game that non-conference game for UConn last year that really stood out to everyone was the um, the Alabama game. But it was it was before Alabama went on that run, so it was like, you know, it was before Alabama was the number two team in the nation. Yeah, I mean, I had UConn. Um, I don't remember. Did I have them? Did I have them as the best team in the country coming out of um, coming out of Portland? I felt. I, I think I might have. It's just because they, they no, I had, I, had Arizona, I had Arizona number one, but I yeah, because they won Maui. Um, Northern Iowa up by eight on North Carolina. Frauds. Cadeau just got fouled. Um, yeah, I mean UConn last year beat the brakes off the of teams, but this year it feels like they wear them down and just fundamentally break you down and expose your weakness. It's like. It's it's different, but it is the same exact mold as far as the roster goes. Hold on one sec. Um, yeah, um, I love this UConn team, and I think at the current moment, they're the best team in the country. Yeah. Um, 
and the Big East and the Big East is the best conference in the hold on one sec. Here you go. Pat talk for like two minutes. Okay, I'll talk about UConn. Um, yeah, I mean, this UConn team is ridiculous. My only concern with them is that they don't have anyone to fill that Jordan Hawkins role. I guess Cam Spencer is the one that's going to be doing it, kind of running off screens, off ball screens, you know, kind of butterfly actions. But I don't think that they have someone like him. And it's hard to replace a guy that's putting up 20 points in, in the NBA, you know, it's hard to do that. So that's my only concern with them is that if they want to uh, play like they did last year um, or, or have similar results to what they did last year, they need to find someone that can really be that guy that comes off screens and just runs around and doesn't really get tired without the ball. Because Hawkins thing last year was he wasn't there to create his own shot. He was there to get open and let it fly from anywhere on the court. So that's kind of my biggest concern. I guess Caravan's kind of been doing that, um, these little dribble handoffs at the top of the key. But that's my only issue with this UConn team right now. Obviously, Sam is not here right now, so it's just me. Um, yeah. I mean, solo ball, I watched a ton of him at Brewster Academy last year. I saw him play four times, maybe even more than that, actually. I called two of his games against Link Year Prep and uh, Putnam Science Academy. So I saw a lot of him last year. Um, he has played a different type of game than what I saw for the Wildcats last season. Um and obviously he was he's not needed to do the role that to serve the role that he did last year uh for Brewster which was as the primary scorer cuz you don't need that for for UConn um i just think that he's matured a ton since he's since he's gotten the stores Dan Hurley's done a wonderful job of molding his game the whole coaching staff has done an excellent job so that's what's impressed me a lot about UConn. My only concern, as I mentioned earlier, is that they don't have that, you know, off-ball score <coughs> like Jordan Hawkins was last year. And Samson Johnson, I'll eat my words. I was wrong about them, uh, about him. Because every year he'd come in, oh, this is going to be the year. Last year he was he was – labeled as the NBA prospect for UConn last year. Like that's what he was labeled as. So for, for me, that was a, um, a, a big, uh, a big thing I was wrong about with this UConn team coming into this year. I thought that Yusuf Singare would maybe be that backup guy, but he, he hasn't, he hasn't really played at all. In fact, so Samson Johnson is a bona fide NBA prospect in my opinion, purely because of, how long he is and how well he moves and all that. So that's, I mean, that's what, that's what has stood out to me for this UConn squad. But yeah, I mean, 
that's all for me about UConn. Um, some great games today. Obviously, the uh, bad boy mowers battle for Atlantis starts today. We'll take a look at some of those games down in the Bahamas at Atlantis. I mean, obviously, Northern Iowa up six on UNC at the half. New Year's same thing for UNC losing games that they have no. Business. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. I'm so You're sorry. Um, I just had to handle some stuff around the house. Yeah, I just went on a tangent. My only concern with UConn is that they don't have an off-ball score like they did Hawkins last year. I'd like to Spencer see can do it. What? Spencer can do it. Yeah, I was gonna say I'd like. To and see there's more ball back. handling anyway with Castle. So yeah, I mean, Andre was a ball handler, but it's Castle is. There are different types of ball handlers. Four and a half seconds left here in the first half. It is going to be Titan Anderson to inbound. Gets it in. Here is Trey Campbell. Cross half court for three. That's no good. And Northern Iowa is going to go up six at halftime against North Carolina. Okay. They're be- they're beating them without Ali Farouk Manesh. How are they doing this? <laughs> that was Kansas. That was Kansas. That was Kansas, yeah. You know, he's um, an assistant at Colorado State right now. Yeah, I did know that. Really you know, I saw I saw a license plate the other day. It was Colorado School of Mines. Nice. Uh, obviously, they had a lot of publicity for playing against Tyson Bajan. <laughs> True. Um, what else is there? Um, there's plenty of other stuff to go over. We'll preview Atlantis. Um, yeah. But not yet. We, we should also talk a little bit about some of the other uh, stuff. Garway Duval. <laughs> so out of nowhere. Garway Duval is, I mean, I'm sure Dana White is drawing up a UFC contract for him right now. Uh, it was... That was ridiculous. Even even now, we're like four days removed, five days removed. Ridiculous. Then ridiculous. Now it will be ridiculous for years. Um, I think as far as the the battle for Atlantis goes, I think Arkansas probably should win that. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're we're not even close to there yet. Where what are we pro- what are we talking about? Bahamar. Oh, 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 oh. Miami looks like a they they, they look like a well-oiled machine. Yeah. I mean, Jim Laranega will always have his guys ready to go. This uh, guy, Jim Laranega, totally reinvents the way that he coaches um in the middle uh in like in 20 in 2022 he totally reinvents the team that he has just builds it around guards and guards and guards and goes from um, a team that doesn't really score well to last three years, top 40 and EFG top 20 and adjusted offense. They're playing faster than ever. They, they were a slow paced team, even when they were really good with Shane Larkin and, yeah, and company. Shane Larkin, he was unbelievable, but Jim Laranega, the ability to adapt and change as a head coach at whatever, like 70-something years old. Yeah. We don't give enough credit, but he's turned himself from just another guy into a top-ten coach in the country. 100%. And 
he's taken uh, people don't talk about it enough. He's taken two programs to the final four. Like obviously, like how many coaches can say that? Rick Pitino? Pitino took three. Um yeah, Providence, Kentucky, and Louisville. Louisville. Well, um, allegedly Louisville. Allegedly. He did. He, he did. Um, yeah. Pitino took three. Um did Huggins take Cincinnati to Oh, uh Cal Perry. Oh yeah, Cal did. He took UMass. And, and Memphis. And Memphis. Yeah. yeah. There was totally no cheating going on at either of those two schools, UMass or Memphis. Definitely yeah. not. Um, who else did? Huggins, I think, took Cincinnati. Did, did Huggins take Cincinnati to the Final Four? I think he might have. With Kenyon Martin? He might have. Um, let me just check that. Yeah, he 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 took um he took Cincinnati to the Final Four in 1992. Um I mean, is there anybody else? Like there, there, there are. I just can't think of them right now. Coaches to take two programs to the final. Roy Williams. I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. Um. Okay. Okay. All right. Trip. You want to do trivia time? Yeah. Name as many coaches as you can that have taken multiple programs to the final four. Okay. So Patino. Yep. Huggins. Yep. Uh, Larinaga. Um, yes. Roy Williams. He, yep. He took UCL. He took um Kansas four times and Carolina five times. For this, to, how many people are there? I don't know. Let me count. Is there one, a lot? Two, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. 15, 16, 17. That's a lot. I'm not naming all of them. All right. Um, How, do you want me to give you any? Yeah. All right, I'll, 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 I'll read the list. Okay. Roy Williams, Lute yeah. Olson. Yeah. He took Iowa to the Final Four. Rick yep. Pitino. Yep. John Calipari. Jack yep. Gardner in the 40s, 50s, and 60s took Kansas State and Utah to the Final Four each yeah. twice. Forty Anderson took Bradley twice and Michigan State once. Eddie Sutton, he yeah. took Arkansas and then Oklahoma State twice. Gene Bartow, um, Larry Brown, Hugh Durham, Lou Henson, Huggins, Lon Kruger, yeah, um, Larinaga, Frank McGuire, Lee Rose, and Kelvin Sampson. Kelvin Sampson. Who's he coached before Memphis? Kelvin Sampson never coached Memphis. He took Oklahoma to the final. Oh yeah, no, yeah, Houston, Houston, Houston. He took um, Oklahoma to the final four in 2002, and then he um, took Houston to the final four in 2021. Yeah, uh, yeah, I got. Yeah, I don't know why Memphis. Just American Conference on the brain. Um, I mean, yeah, that's a good trivia question. It is a a lot more than I expected, though. No, it makes sense to me. Yeah, when you go yeah. like back in the Aaron day, done it, um, obviously, and that's the big yeah. thing. Totally reinvents himself as a coach. Totally reinvents his team's system and and scheme. And they're thirty four. He's old. Like old coaches typically get stubborn. Like, no, this is the way I've always done it. I've always won like this. Yeah, I mean, There's how no shame in changing your coaching philosophy? I mean, Jim Laranega is seventy four years old. He graduated from Providence College in 1971. 
I mean, his first head coaching job was in 1977 at American International in Springfield, Massachusetts. Springfield, Massachusetts. Yeah. Ne10. Yes. The yeah, the yellow jackets. He's won 730 games. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Two-time CAA Coach of the Year, two-time ACC Coach of the Year, and honestly, there's been an argument that he could have won it each of the last two years. 100%. Who won it yeah. last year? Um, Jeff Capel, maybe? Uh, Might have been Brownell. Jeff Capel. I remember he was a finalist for the UConn job. I'm glad they didn't hire him. <laughs> I think we all are. Yeah, it was Jeff Capel. Yeah. And Latin the year before that, it was Steve Forbes. So regardless, we, we've got to move on. Um, like We can't get sidetracked by Jim Laranega, but um, they're really good. Matthew yeah. Cleveland fits like a glove into what they want to do. Nigel Pack is awesome. Wooga uh, Poplar. And yeah, Wooga, Norchad. That team is awesome. K-State. They have been pretty bad defensively this year. And I'm definitely concerned about their defense. I mean, they were underrated defensively last year. They scrambled really well. They had length. This year, without Naquan Tomlin, they're not quite as they're not quite as mobile in the front court. And Kaluma's been pretty inefficient. Yep. Um, I was yeah. never all that high on him when he was actually. I, I like, I still think Kaluma's going to be great, but definitely n- not the best <laughs> start for him. He was good in, um, he, he was really good against Miami, but he had seven turnovers against Providence. It's never really what you want there. Um, I, I just, I'm surprised, honestly, that like Day Day Ames was, had as big of a role as he has. But like Cam Carter's awesome. But yeah, whenever Cam Carter, twenty-eight back, on twelve to twenty-two. Yeah, whenever um, Quez Glover comes back, I'm going to be interested to see what he does. But definitely concerned defensively because I mean, teams are shooting fifty-one percent inside the arc. There, um, they're not really getting defensive rebounds. Two hundred thirty-fifth and effective field goal percentage defensive. It's not a great start for them. Um, then there's um, Providence, who I still think is really good, even yeah. though they lost to K-State. Providence, they um, they ran Wisconsin, and, and then Wisconsin comes out and runs Virginia. I, I want to get into that. Um, did you were, were you able to get eyes on that one? I was not. Good. I was not. Why? Was it awful? It was 65-41. Ugh. Virginia never led. That that's the key there. Virginia never led in that game. Um, McNeely um, three for seven. Rhodey two for six. Um, only one guy scored in double figures, and only five guys scored for Virginia. Just total disaster of an offensive performance for Virginia. Jeff Goodman. Jeff Goodman being accused of spreading fake news right now by John Fanta. Are you ready for a twist? Hold on. Let me see this. It's about Thanksgiving food. Oh, I don't care. 
Virginia, I mean, Virginia games are always hard to watch. And when you put a Virginia team, a uh, Virginia game against a Big Ten team, it's going it's going to be a mess. Yep. Um, it was a mess. <laughs> I don't really have too much. John Blackwell has been pretty good. I've, I've been surprised at how good he's he is for uh, Wisconsin. But as a whole, I don't have – I don't have a ton to say there. I mean, West Virginia losing to SMU is disappointing, but far from surprising. The fact of the matter right now is that West Virginia has no depth. They are waiting on like a cook and, and, um, and Creesa. Creesa is going to be back. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You know seven, what officially eight. happened with the cook a cook? What? Didn't he have like an issue with his like? He- yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if he's gonna be back. I really don't. Um, That's Crease is, is gonna be back December sixteenth against UMass from a suspension. But like, they're probably losing to Virginia today. They're probably not. Like, I mean, St. John's is cons- is a little concerning at, overall. I, I would say with how they performed, but they had got that big win over over Utah. That was impressive. Um, just. The fact that they were able to score as well as they did, shoot as well as they did, um, and just they—they they were great in that game. I thought um, Dana said he'd assist. Dingle at five, Alina at three. They passed the ball really well, but I mean the Dayton game was not good. The North Texas game was um, ugly. I think for St. John's, that's going to be a really interesting game against West Virginia, and then West Virginia has Pitt, and that's. And the way Pitt's been, that I'm not sure they're going to win. Interested to see Pitt against Florida today. Oh, yeah, in, in Brooklyn, I could have. I, I I initially had the, the this game on my schedule, but um, I c- can't get to that. Um, Any games this weekend for you besides uh, UConn? Um. Yeah, I'm at Marist and Bucknell on Saturday. I have to, and I'm at um, Fairfield, New Hampshire, on uh, Friday night as well. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. When I get back, this is the 26th, so I think I'm I'm doing LaSalle. I'm calling LaSalle Temple to find out who plays in the Big Five championship game. Yes, the big five championship game. Yeah, words which never words never heard before in history. Yeah, it's awful. I hate it because if it's not Nova, nobody's gonna. If it's not Nova versus whoever, nobody's gonna care. Like no one's gonna go. No, the the alums will go. You'd be shocked. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, if it's LaSalle, LaSalle fans will at least go. They get excited about that stuff. Temple fans don't care. Um, Drexel, I mean, LOL. Like, like they they can't even plan it. They're own too. Um, what'd you think of? We never got to talk about. It, by the way, what'd you think of the Daskalakis Center? No one was there when I was there because it was the um, it was the two visit. It was the two um, other teams, but it's not a bad place. Yeah. Not a not I a like bad place ball game. I thought it was I, li- I like the smaller arenas. Um, yeah, I totally thought it was a nice place to catch a ball game. Um, if you give me a moment. Um, but yeah, I mean 
I have LaSalle Drexel. I mean, LaSalle Temple, and then I think I'm done for the calendar year of 2023 for my men's game. So I think I'm just going to travel around. I'm definitely going to go to uh, uh, Nova UCLA at Wells Fargo. Nice. I mean, I have to go to that. Yeah, you definitely have to go to that. That's going to be a big one. December 22nd or something? Oh, no, I'm not there for that then. I don't know when. I don't know exactly when that game is. If it's then, I'm not. I'm home. Let me let me figure that out for you quickly. Um, we all uh, we, we haven't. By the way, we haven't previewed Atlantis. We we do. No, I think actually Atlantis. Let's get into the bracket a little bit. So obviously the game going on right now. Um, we're not gonna talk too much preview stuff about that. But if we watch, uh, if we take a look at the bracket. There is um, – where's the bracket? Where's the bracket? Um, Battle for Atlantis 2023. Yeah. All right, here it is. Yeah. Villanova-Texas Tech is the next game. And Texas Tech has – Texas Tech is interesting because yeah. they don't play the way that I – Thought they haven't really played exactly the way I thought they were going to. They sh- they sh- they shot a ton of threes in in, in um, their game in their preseason game. Then they haven't been great offensively so far, but I think they might have more tools offensively than we thought. And obviously, they're going to be excellent defensively. Right. They basically they basically took the front court. They they took the front court from that Arizona State team that made the tournament off of their defensive front court. And obviously it's been spectacular. Right. They are defending without fouling. They are, they have, they have the lowest foul free throw rate against in the country so far. That's insane. Um, Devin Cambridge, Um, Warren Washington. I'm looking at this bracket. Hold on. In a game of that. We're not done. We're not done with the Texas Tech Villanova game. <laughs> um, and for Villanova, this is a team that is coming off that big win against Maryland, and that was that that was really important for what they wanted to do because coming off that pen loss, there's really two ways you can react. You can kind of just let the season slip away, or you can really come back strong. And fight, and they fought in that game. They looked like a team that was not ready to call it on their season this early. There was not was not ready to give up on their coach and give up on everything. And they responded as well as you could have asked for. They won the rebound battle. They they helped. I mean, they held their defense was incredible. I mean, it was forty nine to seventeen with twelve thirty one to go in the second half. That was that was an that was another ugly game. <laughs> I mean, Maryland Kevin Willard teams always struggle with their offenses a little bit, except if they have like Miles Powell and Sandro. That Miles and that's right my there. thing. Like Kevin Willard, are we sure? Like, are he won one tournament game in? over a decade at Seton Hall. Yeah, I just don't. 
Like I just think good they coach, can. good coach, but mm, I I had my concerns when they hired him that just just like he's fine, he's not like and early last year I put that to bed cuz they looked awesome. Right. But now I'm back on the concerned train because once again, these offense, this offense is not looking good. It's looking, it's looking a lot like that Seton Hall offense from his final year Ugh. at Seton Hall. That was just kind of rough. Didn't really have, didn't really have the go-to scores that you look for. Because I mean, Jameer, Jameer Young um, has been, I mean, just not himself. I don't. Think. Yeah, I mean, Jameer Young was expected to to be great again this year, but. We haven't just seen that. He just hasn't looked comfortable. Uh, I mean, he looked comfortable against UMBC, but he hasn't looked fully comfortable. Uh, Reese and Scott, I thought, haven't looked fully comfortable. I don't really think anyone's looked comfortable here. Kev- especially Kevin Willard. And that's the like, problem. Like, I don't know, man. It's it's Maryland, I think that they went for the hot name. And they didn't go for the guy that's actually good for their program, you know. I mean, who would have been who would have been good for their? Who would you have gone after? I mean, that's fair. I couldn't give you a good answer. Wasn't Danny Manning the the interim there for a bit? The interim, yeah, yeah. <sighs> I was about to say, if you're recommending him, don't. Yeah, I'm not. He was um, bad at Tulsa and bad at. Back to back to Villanova. Villanova and Texas Tech. Probably going to be pretty low scoring today. That is the um, two thirty game. It's the one right after this. What would you say? Are you looking to learn from both of these teams in Atlantis? For Villanova, for the two thirty game, for both of these teams, yeah. For Villanova, I want to learn. Other guards can really handle good defensive pressure from from a good defensive backcourt, and. For, T- for for Texas Tech, I want to know how they'll handle a team like Villanova where it's a lot of the same guys. Like They don't really have one particular weakness on defense outside of size. So I want to see how – Grant McCaskill is their head coach, right? Yeah, he's and I love Grant McCaskill. He's, he's going to he, be – he's going to he, do a great job. Home run, I obviously haven't seen a lot yet. Home run hire for them. Yes, I think in terms of hires that won the last cycle – um, McCasland has to be up there as one of the top ones. I think um, Arkansas State with Brian Hodgson did a great job. Austin P with Corey Gibson did a great job. Um, Cal with Mark Madsen did a great job. Um, Dave Paulson at Holy Cross is, is a really good one. Obviously, Tobin's great. Yep. Um, Gal? I, 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 I don't want to like praise that hire just because of like, because that's our guy. Like, let's be real. That's just our guy. Not, 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 not even because of that. Because like what happened with Ray and like, but like McCaslin. In terms of high major guys, McCaslin was probably one of my favorite hires. I would say it was like him. I, I mean, I I mean obviously Patino, but I think McCaslin might have been my favorite high major hire. I mean, yeah. He's been uh, like, like, all right, Pat, 
you're off the hook. I'm off the hook. All right. All right. Thank Sam, you wonderful as always. If you All ever right. need me to come back on, let me know. Yeah. We got some more Brackets Bubbles and Bit Series. We have Cole Adams joining us. Hey, Sam. Hey, hey. College basketball. On very, very short notice, Cole, how are you doing? Good, man. Uh, doing good. I'm actually going to uh, Florida in about five hours. So I'm going, I have to go, I have to watch the Marquette Purdue game uh, from an airport, sadly. But so when are you leaving? Uh, I think three o'clock, four o'clock. So I've got it. All right. So we got time. time. We got time. Yeah, yeah. We've got time. We've got time. So this is Brackets Bubble and Bits Theory Season 4, Episode 19. This is the Feast Week Midweek. Jonathan is sick, so he's not able to join us. Oh, but, man. But we we were just going through Atlantis. And we just talked about Texas Tech and Villanova. Okay. Um, so now let's talk Michigan and Memphis. Okay. Let's do it. So Michigan, when we talked on Friday, sorry, on Thursday on the pod with Kevin Sweeney, I said that Michigan was my pick to win Atlantis. Okay. I'm walking that back. Why? They lost to Long Beach on Friday night. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see what you mean now. Just well, I mean, just it's not like North Carolina is looking very good at the moment. I mean, and they just put on a big run to open up the second half. And then Villanova, you know, they've got their inconsistencies. I don't really think there's anybody that's – a clear, yeah, like we'll, I, I don't we'll think I think you could make a case for anybody to win Atlantis. I don't think you can make a case for Stanford or Northern Iowa. Okay, well, that's fair, but at least like the top dogs, you know, like the yeah, Villanova. Yeah. Back, back to Michigan and Memphis. Michigan needs to answer questions, a lot of questions about this defense because it's looked real bad. So far this year, if, I, if I'm going to give you the numbers, they are 83rd in adjusted defense. I don't really like adjusted defense this early in the season, but opposing teams are shooting 37% from three, and Michigan is 295th in defensive rebounding. Come. They are playing super fast. They don't have a deep bench. And that could that could turn into issues in a three in a three games in three days tournament. No, that's fair. I mean, they're they're going up against a very experienced older Memphis team, so that will. I mean, that's actually that might be the game of the day, like secretly. But that game that game's going to have seventy five plus possessions in it. Like, it's going to be super fast. Both these yeah. teams want to run. Memphis has much more depth. Um, For sure. I would say, I mean, look. Is Martelli coaching still, correct? Yeah, I mean, we've barely even seen guys like Jalen Young and Jonathan Pierre, who we know can play, and Nick Jordan. Um, Like, those guys haven't played a ton. And I think Memphis is is deeper than Michigan. Mm -hmm. And in a game like this, I think it, at the end of the day, Memphis has shot really well this year. Michigan has also shot really well this year. It's probably going to come down to shooting. Who shoots better? Typically does. Um, but I think what Memphis can do is to disrupt Michigan defensively. Michigan can't do to disrupt Memphis defensively. Yeah. I think 
North Carolina's on an 8-0 run right now. Another 8-0 run. They are, yeah. they are on a 16-1 to to open up the second half. And Roy Williams is in attendance, smiling. Yeah, that, that's that's big for North Carolina. Yeah, yeah oh, that well, is. he wasn't smiling, and then he, and then he was. You're a little <laughs> bit ahead of me. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm jumping the gun. I'm in the future. It's fine. It's fine. All right. Um, back to... I got there's, there's a game that starts at 1.30 that's on CBS Sports Network, I believe. Yes, that would be Boston College, Colorado State. So let me oh, – I have CBS Sports Network on that screen. So great. Um, what, do you, what are your thoughts? What, what do you think – what are your main things to learn about Michigan and Memphis from Atlantis? Well, I want to see if – like you pointed out, I want to know if Michigan can actually like – play good defense consistently for a, a game against because again Mem- memphis they're experienced and it's like penny's got really good guards with quinterly and um i'm blanking on the other dude's name mills. Uh, caleb mills caleb mills and so they also have they also have good wings jaquan walton and david jones and they have a great post in jordan brown i mean it's a it's a complete starting lineup and then they yeah. have long and pierre and jordan and dangerich off the bench it's it, it's it's one of the more talented teams out there i think it's really impressive oh yeah and this is a good opportunity for them to like kind of say listen we're legit like we're gonna be consistent all year uh memphis because the one thing with penny it's like they've just been so inconsistent and it's like now they have like a real legit opportunity to just come out here and maybe win this tournament so i mean i think it's gonna be a pretty good game um we'll see if michigan though can handle those guards and play a good defensive game but what, what time does that one start um, that's the third game of the day. So okay. it should be around five. Nice. 15. Double action on around that time with the Marquette Purdue game. Man, yeah, I'm excited we, for that one. We were talking about Maui. That was what we, we opened our show with about okay. 45, 45 minutes of just Maui. Oh, okay. Then, we don't have to dive into Maui anymore. We can yeah, stick we to Atlantis. UConn after that. And then we talked about Baja Mar. Okay. Um, which, um, um, and then the last game in Atlantis is Arkansas against Stanford. Um, Stanford is interesting because they have a, this is a very talented Stanford team. Uh, Maxime Reno is one of the guys that like a lot of people haven't heard of him, but they should. Um, one of the better players, one of the better big men in the country. Then there's Jared Bynum who. I've been super high on as a point guard over the last few years. I forgot he's he transferred to Stanford. Yep, he in. And then there's Andre Stojakovic and Spencer Jones and Michael Jones from Davidson. Who Mike Jones? Who? <laughs> um, I have to do and I have to do that every time. I'm sorry. Okay, um, not your kid. But Stanford, they lost to Santa Clara, and I will I will get into Santa Clara because I'm gonna talk. Emerald Coast Classic. Oh, that's where they're at down in uh, Niceville. Okay. Wait, that's not in Seattle. Oh, I might be blank. One of uh, the the one in Florida. I think it's called. Isn't it like the Emerald something? Is the Emerald Coast? It's in Destin. No. I told. Yeah, I told you, Sam. I, yeah, Destin, Florida. Are you serious? Emerald Coast. That's yeah. not Seattle. No. What is going on? I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's funny. I my grandparents lived in uh Destin, Florida 
like my entire childhood. And it was always bizarre that they had a tournament down there because I think that school specifically is where um, the guy that was at New Mexico State that just got fired. Um, what, what's his name? Uh, yeah, Greg Hire. I think that's where he was at before he went to New Mexico State. Was that uh, yeah, that Northwest Northwest Florida, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that school. It's a big, it's a big time juco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, North Carolina is pushing the pace. Ingram gives it up. R.J. Davis um, resets. That's the seventh North Carolina block, by the way. Um, they're up by nine. I'm gonna look at the Emerald Coast Classic field real quick. Well, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Okay. Finish. Back to Atlanta. Um, Stanford. Stanford lost to Santa Clara, but Stanford okay. offensively has been really good. It's if you look at their Ken Palm page, the offense looks like what Penn State looked like last year. Okay. Really Are they effect. playing booty ball? No, because Jared yeah. Bynum's not playing booty ball. They're they're playing fast. Okay. But it's yeah. effective field goal percentage and turnover rate are great. They're not getting the line, they're not getting offensive rebounds, but they have great shot making on this team. Bynum has not shot well, but he's a great shooter. Uh, Michael Jones, who can shoot? Um, Soyakovich can shoot. Yeah. And Reno is obviously awesome on the inside. I would like to see them be a little more physical, but that's really not their game. There are a lot of ball reversals um, type offense, and I think they'll be fine just doing that. But Arkansas is going to be physical. Arkansas. Yeah. Well, they've got I, I was talking about it with Villanova. How when you lose a game like that, you really have to rally around your coach. You really have to rally around your guys and just come out with aggression and hunger and passion in the next game. I think Arkansas is going to run Stanford out of the gym tonight. Yeah, I, I, a hundred percent agreement. I mean, they've Arkansas. They've got a lot to prove after losing to UNC Greensboro. Yeah, and look, this team is they're I mean they're gigantic. They are deep they are everything um caliph battle um ll is Tremont mark Devonte davis i mean there's this backcourt is so deep mm-hmm. i mean laden blocker and, and and joe pinion and davenport there's so yeah, many like players. davenport wasn't even he's not even like getting a whole lot of minutes and like he was cincinnati's you know best one of the best their best players so like was he cincinnati's best player last year I'm pretty yeah, sure he was. Nolly was Cincinnati's best player last year. Well, I mean, statistically, but I think that uh, Davenport did a little bit more for them overall. I think Nolly was definitely their best player. I was just thinking because I knew there was someone I was forgetting from that team. But well, Davenport, anyway. Davenport's good. Yeah, um, and, then good. and then there's Trevon Brazil, who I love Trevon Brazil. Um, and I want to see this tournament be the Trevon Brazil Invitational. I think there's a good chance he's the best player in the field. Um, It's probably either him, um, Doug McDaniel, Justin Moore, like one of those guys probably is the best Mm -hmm. player in the field. I want to see this become the Trevon Brazil Invitational. That's what I'm looking to learn here. Okay. What about you with Arkansas? Where Where do you stand? Well, I mean, I'm not going to Matt Norlander you and say that they're overrated. I think that it takes Mus a little bit of time because they've just got, you know, so many new faces, obviously. But 
they've got guys that are coming like it's nice that uh brazil's healthy like you know i his injury last year it sucks because i feel like maybe they could have done a little bit more in march i mean they ran into a, they would have done a little bit more in the regular season that's the key yeah they, yeah they, got, they, they ran into some they just ran into a rough um bracket yeah i i don't think they were going to beat yukon no matter if he was healthy or not but anyway uh yeah i'm still high on arkansas i, I love muscleman and i think that just give them some time to get things gelled because I think that's the thing with college basketball. It's like you can't really make judgments with the transfer portal. And I mean, like so many teams just have so many new faces and these guys just aren't used to how to how to play with each other. Like there's a reason why Purdue and Marquette were able to just dominate like they did because or at least are winning like they have because they don't really have like a whole lot of new faces. And a lot of these guys are like used to playing with each other where like Kansas, for example, they've got so many transfers. And I, I think that's obviously the thing with Musselman is that they just bring in so many new faces every year that it's going to take them a little bit of time, even though they've got Debo Davis still in Brazil and, uh, you know, a bunch of guys that have been there for a while. They just bring who in. Wins? Who, who wins? wins uh, Arkansas. They're they're probably going to dominate, like you said. No, no, no. Who wins the tournament? Oh, um, I don't know. I, I'm not giving up on North Carolina. I was never super high on them anyway. So, and they're up 11 right now. They're going to win this game. High on who? Arkansas or North Carolina? North Carolina. I was never very high on them. Okay. Yeah, the defense needs to... I don't know how you feel about Baycott. What are your, what are your thoughts on Baycott, Sam? He's good. <laughs> like I've, I've, I've heard some people bring up maybe he was the issue with North Carolina and not Caleb Love. I don't know where you stand on that one, but... There's... I mean, Hubert's the issue. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't make the adjustments uh, during the game. He just kind of lets things... I mean, today he did. Yeah, but you kind of have to against Northern Iowa. Yeah. Um, but good resolve. They'll win this game. Good for them. But... Well, then who, who's your pick to win Maui? Or uh, Atlantis? I don't really have one. I mean... Oh, come on, it's... Sam. You got to give the people something. Arkansas. Okay. I, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you. I, I think that the, there's a lot of reason to believe in Eric Musselman's teams in like a tournament-like setting. Yep. Long, athletic, deep mm-hmm. guards. Must and they're going to hustle. Yeah. Like, they're going to be but, locked in. I like this. Uh, like, I think Penny always has great game plans for big games, but for three consecutive days of big games, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if this Nova team can do it either. It's a, I mean, that's more up your alley, like that area, but I think that they have a lot they can prove too, because this is a real prove it tournament, even though like, it's not like the greatest lineup. Cause a lot of these teams have a bunch of question marks where if they just go out there and win three straight games. Like they can really make a huge statement like and Michigan, North Carolina, Arkansas, Villanova, no matter which one you pick. Hall of Fame Classic is underway, and there's a quick bucket for um, Boston College. Um, is the Hall of Fame Classic, uh, how many teams is that, four? Four. Is, are, are they going to end up, like, is there a winner's and a loser's game, or is it just a one-off? Yeah, it's okay. a winner and a loser's game. I don't, know, I don't know exactly who else is in that. It's Loyola and Creighton. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty. It's gonna be pretty easy for Creighton. Um, we 
Should we talk about your flyers? Oh God. Uh, if you want to, <laughs> you, you brought that up in the DMS. Maybe we could, I could come on and talk about them. It's, you know, it's, it's the same thing as Dayton basketball over the past three seasons. They just play really slow. Uh, they make games a mess. Uh, Nate Santos has been their saving grace. If he was not on this team, I, I mean, it'd be a, it'd be another another disaster class. To be quite honest with you, um, I I'm glad they beat St. John's, but you know, going up against Houston, it was just a complete like they they can't play that style of basketball against a team like Houston. That's just that's what they practice. You know, just muck it up, make it ugly, and I I, I don't know. I'm I still have hope they can win the Atlantic 10. Um, but I, I just, I, I still have yeah, never gotten over 20. Zero bid league. Yeah. The Atlantic 10 is not two and two high right now. Zero bid league. Well, it's somebody's got to win the, you know, it, somebody's getting a bid. It's called the zero bid league. Why do you call it the zero bid league? Don't ask questions. Just uh, that, that was the number one. It, I shouldn't have asked. I just have to accept things. Is this a Patelis? thing no it's not a, it's not a patelis thing is it a fetterman thing no it's it's an a10 twitter thing okay a10 twitter thing all right see i'm not locked in on a10 twitter i just stick to dayton you know and i'm more locked in on big big east twitter which is what dayton should be in if if that tournament happened you never know maybe they are in the big east by now um Val anyway, ackerman let them in come on i, I doubt that um i don't I, I don't think the big east would have gone past 11 teams i don't think the big east wants to lose the round robin yeah, that I mean, that is something that I love about the Big East is that that round robin because the Big 12 is getting rid of theirs and, you know, just makes things fun. And right, the double round robin UNC up 18 right now. Yeah, they've locked in in the second half. Um, I mean, there's really not a ton to say about Dayton aside from the fact that they are now just chucking up threes. Yeah, which is frustrating because their guys are not like Kobe Elvis inconsistent. Um, they figured it out though in the in the St. John's game that they don't have to chuck up threes, but they can. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just glad that Nate Santos exists, you know, because yeah. losing Malachi sucks. Because I love Malachi. I loved his his brother Scucci. Scucci was awesome at Dayton. I don't brother? know if you. Yeah. So Scucci, do you remember Scucci Smith? Of course I do. Yeah, Malachi Smith is his younger brother. Yes. I feel like I heard that before, but I forgot it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I love Malachi and like, it, it just sucks that he's just been devastated by injuries every single year. And, you know, I, he got hurt in the Atlantic 10 tournament that they should have won. And then Richmond. So dumb. <laughs> I, I feel like Dayton just, they're always getting screwed over, Sam. Like I, it's so frustrating to be a fan of. Yeah, I know your favorite team always gets screwed over. Where have I heard that one before? <laughs> well, they're, they're actually getting screwed over genuinely by just bad luck. It's not like, you know. Anyway, we, I don't, I don't, we don't have to make this a Dayton Flyers conversation. But I got, I got my, I got what I needed to say off. All right. And it doesn't help that I'm wearing a Xavier shirt. You asked me to come on, and I was, I, I just happened to be wearing this. Now I, it's weird to can be complaining about Dayton and then wearing a Xavier shirt. I, I'm a mess. If you, if you were curious, I'm a mess when it comes to sports. Um, I, were you able to catch the Continental Tire main event? Uh, you're gonna have to. Ref- who's, who was that? The, sorry, the Jaden Ladie Invitational. Oh, yes, yes. This is one that we haven't gone over yet. Okay, yeah, well, let's talk there's, about it. I was there's two, there's two, there are two topics of discussion here. 
Number okay. one is that Jaden Ladee is the front runner for National Player of the Year. Yes, he has been a rock star for them offensively. Like that guy, is he the nation's leading scorer? Something like that. Yeah, he's been unbelievable. It's actually funny watching the San Diego State team compared to last year because it's like their offense is awesome and then their defense is not very good. I just don't know. Where did this come from? from I don't Jay know. He was have, nothing like this. I know. It's bizarre. Like, I don't even remember him on the team last oh, year. Oh, I do. I do. Okay. Well, well, yeah, you do. You know, you're, you are Mr. College Basketball. For me, though, as a casual, it's like I didn't even see this coming. I mean, I'm – Jaden Ladee's season high last year was 23. Okay. He has Who was that against? Less than 23 just once this year. Okay. I mean, props to him. He had a good summer. And now he has opportunities with uh, Keisha Johnson gone. You know? But, like, Kashad, they weren't running offense like this with Kashad. They weren't running off. The offense was kind of hard to watch last year. And this year, it's just Jaden Ladee taking over. He's dominant in the post. He's hitting his shots from the mid-range and the outside. I am remarkably impressed with Jaden Ladee's ability this year. I mean, he's already taken 53 foul shots in five games. That's They got those Purdue-Tennessee reps calling all his his – He took 121 foul shots last year, which is a lot for a guy that – He's increased his free throw rate. He's just been even better. I know, man. It's like every that's why college basketball is so fascinating. Every single year you get guys that just out of nowhere just go off. Like Yep. You never know what you're gonna get every year. But yeah, they dominated St. Mary's and then obviously the I mean the Washington game was a little frustrating to watch if you're a San Diego State fan, but you know what? They're scoring points, which is interesting. We'll see how that continues the rest of the season. Um, and then the other concern, the other uh, topic of discussion with the main event: What the heck is wrong with St. Mary's? That's the million-dollar question, Sam. I don't. I don't know. I have the no Gales idea. The Gales have fallen to seventy-sixth in Ken Palm. They lost by double digits to San. They lost by twenty-five to San Diego State. By seventeen to Xavier. They obviously lost at home to Weber State. They have Davidson on Friday at in Moraga, then Utah in Moraga on Monday. And then they go Boise State. I mean, Randy Bennett's schedule is tough. Yeah, those are some – I mean, those are going to be competitive games. They have Cleveland State. They have Colorado State, UNLV. I mean, there's not there's not one gimme on here mm-hmm. for the rest of this. For the rest of this – I mean, Cleveland State and Northern Kentucky, they shouldn't lose. They shouldn't lose to MTSU or UNLV either. But overall, there's no gimmies. No. Which is, didn't Randy Bennett like historically not schedule good games in the non-conference? Is that correct? He started, he started to do that. Yeah, um, like I he's really gonna... given them a gauntlet here when it comes to at least just competitive basketball games. And like they they go apparently they go again to they play at Colorado State. That's not an easy place to play at, and then. You know Utah, they're looking better this year. And like in like in the past, they scheduled really weak. Yeah, like that's what I thought. Twenty sixteen, when they went twenty nine and six, they had the three hundred and twentieth non conference schedule. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I just don't. But understand also, I, I honestly, I, I honestly think that some of this just comes from the fact that a, a bunch of teams on the West Coast have gotten better. 
Yeah, the conference has absolutely improved. I mean, Santa Clara, like you said, and earlier, and then you know, San Francisco and Gonzaga, and then, and and then like the Mountain West has gotten better. Like yeah, Boise, Mountain West been, Boise State's been better. UNLV, not not UNLV. UNLV has not been better. Colorado State's been better. Um, those teams, Wyoming. Wyoming, yeah, Utah State, um, they've been good, and then Nevada, and then the Big West, I think, has been pretty solid as well recently. Yeah, I, I don't know, Sam. I don't know what's going on with their offense. Like I, I thought Aiden Mahaney was supposed to be, you know, one of the best players in college basketball, and he's just been a ghost of himself. I saw it mentioned ever since when Mitchell Saxon uh, or Alex Dukas, when Alex Dukas hurt his back against UConn, they just have not been the same team. I don't I mean, know they if he's still, still like, New Mexico. Yeah, they, they killed New Mexico, and, and like and that was everybody's sleeper, darling, for the Final Four. So I don't, I don't know what's going on. I think New Mexico is gonna is is solid, but like the thing about New Mexico is they can't play a slow game. They have to play. They always have to play with speed. I've been yeah. impressed with JT Toppin for them. Um, I'm still has not been good, but Toppin has. So, well, I'm familiar with Mustafa's game because he was at Dayton. Yeah. And I thought it was exactly what they needed, but in, instead, Toppin's been exactly what they needed. And um, they got Nelly there too. How's and, Nelly and, been doing? Um, Nelly, not great. Not good. But Donovan Dent's been awesome, and Donovan Dent is awesome. And this is—they're doing a lot of this without Jalen House, so okay. they'll be—they're they're a really good Mountain West team. Yeah, and the Mountain West is—it's fun to watch. Lots of lots of high high uh, high scoring basketball teams in the Mountain West. Now, moving from the from the uh, main event, did you take anything away from the Arizona tip-off? Uh, you're going to have to fill me in Grand on who... Canyon, DePaul, South Carolina, San Francisco. No. I, I have not watched any of that. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Is there um, anything you would like to add? Yeah. South Carolina is a little better than I thought. Okay. Good to know. Um, they they have win. They now have wins over Virginia Tech and Grand Canyon, two teams that I definitely didn't see them beating on a neutral floor. Yeah, there's um, five and zero. Oh. Look at uh, Lamont BJ, Harrison's BJ team. Mac has been good. I just think overall, well done so far. We're, but there's I'm not there. There's there's a world where they lose to Notre Dame and GW and Clemson, and then they're right back in where I thought they were. True. Maybe they keep winning. They've got a lot of. Uh, they're one of the older teams. College basketball. Looking at their Ken Palm page, they've got a lot of transfers uh, and older dudes that come in there. Like Michi Johnson was at Ohio State. Yep, doing pretty well. Well, good yeah. for them, man. On, I mean, I would like to see South Carolina be good. I like Lamont Paris, and I, I like this Chattanooga team. So, I mean, that's um, a hard play. The other Malachi Smith. Yeah, yeah, the other Malachi Smith. Well, actually, I'm very familiar with that Malachi Smith because he started at my school, Wright State, and then transferred to Chattanooga. All right, so now moving on to Mississippi State in the Hall of Fame tip-off. Now, I, I, okay, I could gush about Mississippi State. I'm sure you could, too. Like, doing okay, all of... First thing, first thing, this podcast, the Brackets, Bubbles, and Bitsewers podcast, would like to victory lap Josh Hubbard. We were on him before anyone else. Well done, Sam and Jonathan. Well, shout out to Jonathan too, because I know it was you... mostly Jonathan there, but I picked up on it. Well, Jonathan keeps up with his SEC team, so major props. Yes. Um, then 
Um, Trey Ford's been good. Um, Jimmy Bell's been good. Cam Matthews has been good. Just this is the team that without that they, they have not had Tolu Smith, who's nope. supposed to be their um, all SEC player. I know, and they are still just dominant right now. And the and the thing about them is they're shooting it from three. They were the worst three-point shooting team in college basketball last year. And this year they've made a major improvement from three. Yep. They are up six percent from three. And honestly, it feels like they could be up even more. I know. It like what's the seed projection for them? Right now they're 16th in Ken Bomb. Like if you analytics me, love them. If you told me that by the end of the season they're like a three seed, I wouldn't be totally shocked. But then again, they could be a ten seed. But it's exciting to see. Good for Chris Jans. I mean, confident at this point, the Mississippi State makes the tournament. Oh yeah, I think they're a lock to make the tournament. Like they're just too good of a basketball team to miss the tournament. I was I texted Jonathan last night. Their remaining non-conference schedule: Nichols. At Georgia Tech, Southern, Neutral Tulane, Murray State, Semi-Home, North Texas, Semi-Away, Rutgers. Where is that Rutgers game? Is that at the Garden? Oh, no, look. It's, it's at the Rock. Um, oh, the Prudential. Yeah, okay. The um, that game, That's a weird one. That one's going to be totally unwatchable. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they're fun. They're good offensively. I don't think – If this was last year's Mississippi State team, yes, that'd be unwatchable. But this is like a – Hubbard's a he's a bucket man. Like, yeah, no, he's great. But my whole point, there's there's like a there, there's like probably a twenty percent chance they go into that Tennessee game on January tenth undefeated. Yeah, I, that, I that, agree. That, that's a good number. Yeah, if they're if if they if if at that point they are let's see six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen they'd be fourteen and zero going into that game. They're probably going to end up thirteen and one or twelve and two, but that's going to be a game to watch and say, "Look, this is two top. They're probably going to be top fifteen, top twenty in the country around then. Tennessee's obviously going to be top ten. Mm-hmm. Going to be a massive Wednesday night game at the Hump, seven p.m. on SEC Network. They'll probably flex it to ESPN. Get Jimmy Dykes on the call, and it. And it'll kind of remind me of two years ago, that Auburn LSU game where we learned that Auburn was for real and LSU was a fraud. If can Mississippi States beat the 2022 LSU allegations? I would if, say so. If I, I mean, look, we're, we're well over a month before that game. So I'm not going to get into that, but that's what it's setting up to feel like. I trust Chris Jans a little bit more than I trusted Will Wade. Um, that's kind of what it's setting up to feel like at this point. Um, when Jonathan comes back, we'll have um, we'll have a Stephen F. Austin conversation. Um, Florida State over Colorado. I mean, Colorado's not that good. I, I kind of just think they are pretty mediocre yeah i mean they've been shooting out of this world good in in so far this season and 
they have been I haven't even been that impressed. Like once once the shooting cools down for De Silva, Hammond, and Simpson, this is going to be a mediocre team. Yeah. Um, good for Florida State, by the way. Good for Leonard Hamilton. They're four and one. Obviously, they got blown out by Florida. Um, and Florida with Zion Pullen. That's tonight against Pitt. We mentioned that a little earlier. I'm really. Really good, looking forward to that one. Um, Maui, we talked this, we talked that. Nothing really to go over there. Atlantis, NIT. Actually, can we? Can I bring up Maui real quick? Why is yeah. is Gonzaga and UCLA at midnight? Like that's been like it feels the, right. It just feels right. It does kind of feel right, but it's like, come on. That's okay. CSU is up eight on BC. All right. Colorado State's going to kill BC in this one. Like, Do you know Chicago State was playing right now? I'm sure you know. I did. Bang. Colorado State up 11. Colorado State's looked good this year. Well, Jalen Lake for three from Isaiah Stevens. Isaiah Stevens, a bucket. They they beat my uh, beloved Wright State Raiders in the opening. Uh, hoped, well, not I think it was their second game, but they uh, they scored 105 points on my team. 105. Medved, he's an offensive wizard. Slows it down. High screen. Gets to the left. Wards off a man. Step back three. Short rebound. Claudel Harris. We are we are doing. Sam has put his announcer hat on and he is now doing full breakdown of the Colorado state Boston college game. I, I I'm not going to do this anymore, but um, ESPN events. I texted Jonathan this earlier and I said the one team that like in their games against the little sisters of the poor that has maybe been among the most impressive is mm-hmm. Iowa state. I know. I, I don't even know anything about like this year's Iowa State team, to be honest with you, I'm I'm still waiting to like kind of figure them out. Once you'll you'll learn tomorrow, they'll blow out VCU. Okay, and then they'll play the winner of Boise State Virginia Tech. It's like you look at their Ken Palm page; everything's green. Yeah, because they've been unreal. And it's like I couldn't name you a single. Again, I'm not an expert in college basketball. I couldn't name you a single player on this year's team besides uh, Lipsy. Look, like, here's my thing. What's the breakdown, Sam? Lipsy's development is really incredible. He's now shooting threes. He's five or five for eleven from three this year. Okay, that's so big. He was five for twenty-five all of last year. He wasn't even taking mid-range jump shots. The fact of the matter is the is that with Lipsy and they, they bring in Milan Momchilovic. They're not shooting a ton of threes, but they are making the threes that they do shoot. And that is the key because it opens up the inside for yep. your slashers, your Keyshawn Gilberts, your Trey Kings, your uh, interior guys like your Rob Jones, Hassan Ward, and Omaha. They, we haven't really even seen the best out of Omaha yet. And he's only played 40% of the minutes. And I think he's going to be a stud. I think he's going to be one of the best defenders in all of college basketball when he 
starts playing more. And I mean, Robert Jones has been awesome. And we know what Gilbert and Curtis Jones can do defensively. And Lipsy's a pest. We haven't even Jackson Pavaletsky, who I thought was going to be their starting point guard over Lipsy, has only played 17% of the minutes. He's barely done anything. This team, if they come out and look as good as I think they can in ESPN events, someone's going to have to stop me from ranking them in the top five. It's just crazy. I don't know how Otzelberger does it, man. Like, again, I am not an expert in college basketball by any means like you and Jonathan, but this team is full of dudes I've never heard of. And, like, they're, they've clicked offensively. And just as a team, he, he you know, TJ's a great defensive coach. Like, I usually kind of – I wait until, like, Big 12 plays starts so I can get, like, familiar with these guys and see them against actual, you know, great competition because they've not played a good schedule by any means. Yeah, no, they, they've literally played, I think, the worst schedule in the country. Yeah. So, Sorry, I mean – second worst. Who's played the worst? Guess. Give a guess. Oh, gosh. Tulsa. Tulsa. Okay. Good for Tulsa. <laughs> and they're 4-0. But, I mean, I, I just don't get how he's able to do this. Like, again. I think, I just think Ots is awesome. Yeah. Um, no, he's a good coach. And and I'm looking forward to this Iowa State team maybe more than anyone else. This Like, these next couple days, I think Iowa State, this could be their announcement. Sure. But, FAU has a lot to prove as well in, in ESPN events. FAU's there as well. Okay. Yeah. they And I I was talking about this last week, even before they lost to Bryant, that like I wouldn't be totally surprised if they lost to Butler and then lost to the loser of Texas A and M Penn State. Like, they could lose two games in this tournament, but they could also win the whole thing. Yeah. Martin Davis have not been good so far this year. I think that changes. I, I think that... They are due for a big for, for like a, a good win and nothing against Butler, who I think another team like Iowa State has been awesome against the little sisters of the poor. Yeah. Um they are not going to be ready for what FAU throws at them tomorrow. No, they're gonna be locked in and ready. It's FAU. I, I really hope we get FAU Sorry, Butler, I for, I totally forgot that Butler got blown out by Michigan State. Yeah, I know that. Like Michigan State had a really good game, and then nobody just the, the Pierre oh. Brooks revenge game. Yeah. And by the way, Michigan State tomorrow against Arizona, Palm Desert, California, Acrisure Arena, home of your Coachella Valley Firebirds. Great call. Yes the the great Palm Springs area. I do not recommend ever going there in the summer, but if you do. Go to a it, I'm guessing it's really hot there in the summertime. Really I don't remember. Okay. I don't ever recommend going there in the summer. But if you somehow find yourself in the middle of the desert in the summer, go to a couple of Palm Springs Power Games. All right, there That's you go. The best summer collegiate baseball team in Southern California. Yeah, that's gonna be a great game, man. I I love this Arizona team. Like they've got me around their finger, man. I'm I'm wrapped in everything. I love I love. Like watching them play, they're just so much fun offensively, and they've just got great guards. It's nice that Kirk Crease is not there anymore because they actually have guys that can shoot and make a shot and not just turn the ball over and be a disaster offensively. I mean, maybe. Well, it seems like Tommy Lloyd's got Caleb Love. You know, he's got a leash on him, so it's not like he's gonna full on Caleb Love a game. You know, they've got just too many options with Boswell and 
I don't know if you're I, in agreement I like, with that. I like this ASU, this um, U of A team. I yeah, do I, not, do too. I do not like this ASU team. Um, yeah, no, no, um, there's nothing to like about Arizona State right now, especially how they got hey, destroyed. Hey, hey. I like Jose. I like Jose. Okay, yeah, no, it makes sense. But yeah, nothing else. Nothing else. I mean, Frankie's good too, but that that's basically it. Yeah, I like Frankie. I like Frankie a lot. Oh, another game that definitely should be um, put on right now is um, let me let me, let me grab, where is my here's my phone. Um, it's time for me to turn on Harvard Colgate. It's a big one. Okay. Um, let me work with the Apple TV in here. Well, while Sam's do, do you want to keep going on the ESPN Invitational? Because I yeah, um, talk about um, who else do we have? Well, we've got Virginia about? Tech and Boise. Talk, Penn, talk about Penn State and AM. Yeah, for sure. Um, Texas AM, I, I, this is a rematch of a NCAA tournament game that I was expecting to be a little bit better last year, but. Texas A&M did not show up for that game, and Penn State just walked all over them. It's a completely different Penn State team, obviously, um, but it is the same A&M team, and I expect them to kind of, you know, get their redemption and kind of. I don't expect this one particular to be close. I don't know if you're in agreement with that, but uh, I don't know. I think it could be. I, I think both of these. I think. I think. Um, I think they're good. I think. They're, I think um, Penn State's good. Yeah, I mean, they've got good players. I mean, Wahab, they got him to transfer in from uh, Georgetown and then, you know, getting Ace Baldwin from VCU. I mean, maybe I jumped again a little bit on saying it won't be close particularly, but I do expect Texas. Yeah, all those- Texas Agic Bore underway and Harvard wins the tap. Sam, you're an absolute sicko. Mm, this is <laughs> not even close to a sicko game. These are two top 150 teams. Top 150 is is such a, a dude, unbelievable. I love how you're justifying they're, they're, it. They're in the Northeast too, like what are you saying to me? Not everybody gets us, Sam. I mean, even uh, people call me a sicko for being such a college basketball fan, but I, I don't even come close to the level. I mean, Patelis would be making fun of you right now. He he literally called like Patelis came into my messages and called me a sicko and I'm like all right th- may- maybe it's time for an intervention. It, it might be. This isn't your intervention game. Your intervention game would have been Chicago State, but you're not watching that right now. No. Do you know what I? Do you know what I was at last night? Oh yeah, dude. I saw the pictures that you. Well, it might not have been the late game, but I saw you post. You were at a game where they had like a bunch of grade school kids at. That was. Um, that's not what I was talking about. Okay. Um. I was at LIU Columbia last night. That's a sicko game. LIU's bus showed up 10 minutes after the scheduled start time for the game. What channel even is the Chicago State game on? Sam, I don't think it's on a channel. Is, like, is it not even on ESPN Plus? It's not on ESPN Plus. So that means it's on. Oh, no, you know what it might be on? Let me find I, it. I have no guess. Is it on? Um, oh, it's but they're flow hoops. It's they're flow winning. Hoops. It's flow hoops. Okay. I was gonna say, is this the one that's on? Um, um, pass the ball or whatever it was. I'm not familiar with pass the ball. I know flow because that's where the Fort pass Myers the ball is a Jacksonville classic. Um, 
That already okay. happened. Um, let's see. What am I turning on here? I don't know so what you're turning on. UMass. Um, I don't really care too much about that one, even though it's in my region. I don't really care. Let's just get um, UNI and UNC back on there. Yeah, they're. I mean, this one's all all but over. Yeah. Do you but, think Kansas comes out and shows up today, or are they just going to roll over to Tennessee? I don't know. I'm excited for that one. I'm excited too. Um, back to ESPN. What'd you say? Back to the ESPN Invitational. I think we're pretty much good there. Okay. Who's your pick to win it? Iowa State. Okay. Well, I'm going to ride with AM. Okay. Rady Children's Invitational. Two games. Um, it is Oklahoma against Iowa and then Seton Hall, USC. And then the winners will play and the losers will play. Okay. This is tomorrow on Friday in San Diego. So, Seton Hall, another team that has looked very good against the little sisters of the poor. Um, against USC, a team that has struggled with yeah. UC Irvine. They couldn't pull away from Brown, but they did. Um, as, but they did um, comfortably beat Kansas State. Yeah, they made a massive impression, and then. Boogie I'll Ellis tell you what I'm looking to see from Seton Hall. Yeah, go all in on – is is uh, Shaheen going to fight somebody this tournament, Sam? Okay, what first of all, let, let me explain. Shaheen and Copeland both immediately apologized for that in the yeah, press conference. I saw that. I was – like, I didn't even notice that – I didn't even know what happened until – You were there, right? Yeah, I was there. Yeah. I'm just saying. I didn't even know what happened. In the pre- um, until the press conference, and Copeland just comes out and says, look, I'm embarrassed by what happened. And then Shaheen's like, and they, they both took responsibility. There's no hard feelings. It wasn't a fight. It was more just like a conversation. It was more just like a, hey, um, don't press the don't press the, fr- the freshman with under a minute left. And Copeland's like, I'm going to play another whistle. And they were just like, they, 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 there was a disagreement. It happens. No, I, I, I'm glad it happens. Shaheen's bringing old Big East back, you know? I want to see Isaiah Coleman and this freshman. I, I want to see what Isaiah Coleman can do um, for Seton Hall. This freshman class is interesting. You got um, Shaw said that he wants to put Malachi Moore in the game a little bit more. Um, and also the under, the underclassmen as well with Jaquan Sanders. We know that Kadari, that Kadari Richmond is good. We know that Dre Davis is good. But this freshman group, this underclassman group, is going to be the one that could elevate them from being a mediocre Big East team into being a tournament team. For sure. And then... I mean, they've got a bunch of good games coming up. Seton Hall, yeah, besides like the USC game, they've got Baylor and... Yep, Rutgers as well. Yeah, and, and Missouri. Yeah, Missouri's a disaster. Yeah, that that was a bad loss, man. I'm, has Jonathan talked about that publicly on here? We have not had an episode since then. Oh man, but he's he he's not very he, he's not pleased with Mizzou, and he he's been. We we talked after the Memphis game. We talked after the Minnesota game that like he still has those issues. Yeah, uh, Vegas showdown. I think this is like for this is. I mean BYU. They are right now 14th in Ken Palm. 
I know. That's like they're the, that's the problem I have with BYU, just like I do with Iowa State, where I'm not familiar with their team and they're just BYU, like BYU is different from Iowa State though, because like I just don't I I like Iowa State I had in my top twenty preseason. BYU I had like ninetieth. Yeah. I guess I'm just they, saying that I'm not familiar with them. Oh, as like I'm, a casual, I'm barely, I'm barely even familiar with BYU. Yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to watching that game. Twelve thirty a.m. on Friday morning, sicko stuff. That's at twelve thirty a.m. Yes, it is. Wow. Um, now let's talk Emerald Coast, which I could have sworn was in Seattle. No, Sam, it's in Destin. I know. Seattle is the Emerald City. I, I know, Sam. I know. I... I said this on the Thursday podcast that Santa Clara could just straight up win this. That's bold. Like, But it's not I a good picked, field. I picked them for like my narrative, but like I don't think they're going to actually be the winners here. I still think there's a chance it happens because I'm not very high on, on Alabama. Or Oregon, and Ohio State has looked fine. It's classic Holtman team, you know. Nothing I mean, crazy. Team in the conference thinks that the best thing to add is the worst defensive player in the conference. One sec, just um, could you talk for a few minutes? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the what we've got with the Emerald Coast. I mean, it's not a great field. Like I remember past years, we've got the Emerald Coast Classic, and it was like, you know, legit teams. Um, and this year's team, you've get you got Southern Louisiana, you've got Western Michigan, you've got Mercer, and I think Tennessee State's the other one that I that's in there. And then like your good teams, you get Alabama. Who, I mean, we'll see with them. They're obviously a really good team, but you know, Oregon, uh, you know, they're not as good as they've been. Ohio State, it's the same Chris Holman team that you're usually going to get. And then Sam's all over Santa Clara, which they were good last year. I personally haven't watched them because season just started. But and and then they lost, uh, like they lost somebody to the NBA. And I mean, I, I don't really, I'm not really like going to be that tuned in. Pajimski. They lost Pajimski. Pajimski, yes, yes, thank you. Uh, and I mean, we'll see. It's not the craziest field by any means. I personally like my pick to win this. I'd say Alabama wins this. Maybe Santa Clara could sneak. I don't know the Sam. Santa Clara have, is good. Santa Clara is good. What's so they the, have Carlos? They have Carlos up? Marshall. They have Carlos Marshall, who's been awesome. Um, they have Adama Ball, the former Arizona guy. Christoph Tilly looks really good. He had a big game against. Um, who, who was it? Who was that last game? It was a really close game. But Selah. It was Selah, Southeast Louisiana. Um, they played. They played a really close game with them. Um, and it kind of knocked their Ken Palm a little bit. I think they were like 95. Now they're 103. Actually, no, it didn't. They they were 104, and then they went to 117, and then they killed MVSU, and they moved up to they're five. Okay, so they're five and zero. They're only eight point Ken Palm dogs to Oregon, and I think I, I just straight up think they're going to beat Oregon with Jackson Shellstad on the mend. Okay. Um, Oregon actually is has been down. I'm pretty sure in that area because 
I don't know if you knew this. They went and played at Florida A&M. Yes, I knew that. Yeah. And they only won by 13. Yeah, it was close for the first half. I, I was checking on that. Yeah, score. that is without Biddle. But um, Biddle's not a big, like, he's, he's, he's fine. Yeah. Um, he's been good this year, but it, I, I, I just think. And Dante has only played in one game so far as well. If they're without Dante, Biddle, Shellstad. Yeah, they're not. Santa Clara's, Santa Clara's gonna win this game. I mean, you look at this, no, for sure. um, this Broncos team with Jalen Benjamin at the one and Carlos Marshall and Tyree Bryant, Adama Ball. Johnny O'Neill hasn't even really hit his stride yet shooting wise. But I think that once I mean there's it, it's and, and, and I mean Herb Sendek mm-hmm. is a better coach than Dane Altman right now. Herb Sendek is probably a top 35 coach in the country right now. And they have one of the best coaching staffs in the country behind him. I think, and by the way, if Santa Clara somehow pulls this tournament out, I'm going to definitely try and get Jalen Benjamin on the pod, uh, Mount St. Mary's transfer. Um, And we'll try and get him on at some point during the season because I can't talk so much about Santa Clara and not bring him on if I have the opportunity. But I like ball. I just really like this team. Um, not much more to go over in Emerald Coast. No, it's a, it's a bad field. The, the Emerald Coast Coast has been a good tournament the past couple of seasons. This Who is was a in horrible it last field. Year? Um, I'll look it up while you. Here, let, let me see. Let me see. TCU. I thought TCU was in it last year. Looks like it was TCU, Iowa, Clemson. Oh, yeah, TCU and Iowa. Clemson and Cal, not great. Um, last year's wasn't good. I'd say this year's is on. Two better years than ago. last year's. All right, whatever. Moving, moving yeah. back to um, Akersher Invitational. Nothing really to go there. Big Five. That we're done. Um, I don't. Is that what? I don't think we have much more to add, but I do think we can go and look at some of the other games that are going on, not part of MTEs. Um, let's see. Are there? Is there anything? There is... Well, JMU Fresno is part of the Cancun one, but... I okay, I have a question. Is the, What is the Akershire, uh one? It is Hawaii... UT Rio Grande Valley, I think. Um, okay. let, let me just find this. Um, San Diego and Arkansas State. And All I right. talked up uh, Brian Hodgson. I think Brian Hodgson's good. Um, but yeah, there's that. Um, Virginia well, and West Virginia play today at six. God, there's, so much, a, there's so much basketball today. I know, there really is. All right, I'll so honestly, I think at this point, I'm just going to let you guys watch basketball unless. um... All right. Yeah. I'm going to let you guys watch basketball. All right. This has been Brackets Bubbles and Bitch Dealers. Uh, Pat Dallahan was on earlier. Thank you to Cole Adams for giving us some some of his time. Um, Enjoy Florida. Thanks, Um, Sam. I will. Are you going to the Emerald Coast Classic? I am not going to the Emerald Coast Classic. No, I am not. Um, Are you going to any college basketball games? Oh no, no, no! This is a quick, is a, this is a disappointment. I know no college basketball game. Actually, last time I was in Florida, I went to a Florida Gators basketball game, and I got to see. 
this was the 2021 uh, Florida Gators that lost to uh, Oral Roberts. I saw them against South Carolina. So, but no basketball for me this time. Wait, hold on. Did did they beat Virginia Tech? Uh, that, Florida. That game, that game went to overtime. Yeah, Florida won in overtime, and then I they barely, lost. I don't even remember the overtime period of that game. How do I you just, not, re- Sam? That was the first game of the tournament. I, I was in class. Dude, come on! You I, didn't take. I was you, in. I was in virtual. I was in virtual class, and like I was watching. Sam Fetterman, college basketball diehard, yeah. does not skip school on opening March Madness. It, it was. Vir- it was virtual class. Like I was watching it, but like the like the overtime period like blurred my memory a little bit. I remember that it got to overtime on a buzzer beater. Dude, even if it was virtual, I'm just like appalled. No, no, no. no. Like I should have been. I should have. I should remember it. Like I remember a lot. More you can remember that. anything, Sam. Like you are like the most college basketball there, diehard. No, there's a lot that I do remember from that day. All right. What was the second game of the day? Arkansas Colgate. Yeah, I was. I, I had. I you had were locked in. All right. Yeah, I was, I was locked in on like Arkansas Colgate. That's like, fair. That game was really close for the first half, and then Arkansas pulled away. Um, I remember just being locked in for, for like, after classes ended, we did a, we did a big stream. Um, okay. But it was not. We, we um, then t- the next year we did an eleven-hour selection Sunday stream. Oh God. Um, but yeah, that's um, that's never happening again. Okay. Because we're gonna do twelve. No. <laughs> um, we we I don't know what we're gonna do this year. Um, depends on the um, depends on what I do that day. But that's gonna do it for brackets, bubbles, and bitsters. We will see you. Um. Soon, hopefully, when Jonathan gets better. Yeah, get better, Jonathan, if you're watching.